All right, then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's biggest act of love for us was to send his son for us, to us, to live with us, among us, as Emmanuel. My friend Brant wrote this the other day. Christmas and the kingdom that never ends. So Herod wanted a fortress on a mountain. There's a picture there in the next slide. Yeah. So Herod wanted a fortress on a mountain, but there wasn't a mountain at the site. That mountain there. So he had thousands of slaves build a mountain for him. That's how he rolled as one of the richest most powerful men in human history. He had a kingdom, and he would ensure that it would last forever. He outfitted the fortress, which he named after himself, with massive double walls and water reservoirs and bathhouses, even a stone amphitheater for the major productions. It was by design a knee-buckling, intimidating sight for all. It was a sign of his unending riches, his unquestionable power, Herod wasn't just a raging narcissist, he was paranoid. He fended off any and all perceived threats brutally. You can remember he ordered the genocide of male infants, three and younger. You remember that, right? His power was too much to question. No threats could be tolerated. His kingdom would outlast them all. There's that picture of that mountain, which still stands today. Imagine how imposing Herodium would look with a fortress silhouetted on top of that hill. You see the fortress, right? No? You don't see the fortress? It was an ever-present reminder of who was in charge, but there's an interesting thing. The photo of Herodium is taken from the city of, get this, This photo is taken from Bethlehem. Jesus was born within view of Herod's towering monument to power. In fact, on the Bethlehem visitor's site, it says you can walk along the manger street and look all the time to the right, and look, there the truncated volcano like a hill in the background, that's, that's, that's Herodium. Right there, looming over everything and everyone, the ultimate symbol of power and erected by one of the most powerful men to ever live, an impenetrable fortress, no vulnerability, a kingdom that will last forever. This is how I'll do it, God says. And he picks that spot. the Bethlehem spot. And his kingdom breaks through with a baby's cry. 
in a room with some animals, no fortress needed, this God makes himself vulnerable. And I might point out, Sobek might point out, that one king chose love. That's not a surprise, is it? That God would choose love. And that is, that's, of course, what he does, choose love. That's who he is. That's his nature. 2,000 years ago, one kingdom doesn't exist. It's just a mountain. Guess which one still stands? This kingdom, this kingdom is different. This king is different. And he shall reign forever and ever. Merry Christmas. Emmanuel. God's love for us is never ending. Amen? God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the way that you showed it to us in the most unthinkable way in a manger. I don't even know how you thought of that. But only you could. And it was perfect, just like you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being willing to come, and thank you for being willing to die. And thank you for being willing to come back for us someday. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. What a fitting way to end my time here. I'm talking about the most important message the world has ever known. It is my hope and my prayer that perhaps that has been what the last five years has been about, and that is to make Jesus famous. This has never been about me. I hope, I hope it's not been about me, because I'm not much. <laughs> it's been about, hopefully, the glory of God. So, in that, thank you, Bowen. Thanks for the last five years. Thanks for taking care of my tribe well. And thanks for letting us be part of your tribe. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the friendships. I've always loved this quote. Good friends never say goodbye. They simply say, see you soon. And we've got some cleanup, and we moved yesterday, but we got a bunch of stuff on the walls and stuff, and we got other stuff to grab. So we'll be back in the next couple weeks, and I'm sure we'll be back. We'll be back to visit some, and I count you all as good friends. So thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. So this is not goodbye. But that being said,
let's let's get to why we're all here. Let's talk about Jesus, okay? Let's talk about the most important miraculous birth. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Thank you, Steve, for reading that. Let me read it again. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will, you will, uh, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. Ladies, how many of you out there would have responded in the same way that Mary did? Anybody? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. Seriously, an angel appears to a teenage girl and says, Greetings, Mary. You're about to be pregnant. And this baby is going to be the Son of God. He will be the one that everybody has been waiting for. He will be the one that the prophecies have all been about. He will be the one that will set the captives free. He will be the one that will take away the captives of the world, the, the, the sins of the world. He will be the one. <coughs> sir? Right, Elijah, right. Um, um, sir? I'm, I'm a, I'm a virgin? Don't, don't worry about it. Holy Spirit's gonna take care of that. Right, right. And here, here's the money phrase. All right. <laughs> Whatever God wants. Anybody else think, really, that's the, that's the response that you would give? And, of course, we know it happened just like the angel said, right? Luke 2. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. 
This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Which brings us to the first point of this morning's story and that this, this morning's miraculous birth. And that's simply the miraculous birth was miraculous, right? Luke one twenty seven. We, we, we overlook this the, to a virgin named Mary. Like, we overlook this because we just, we've been conditioned to gloss over this fact. Mary was a virgin. This has never happened before. And it has never happened again. Now, I know there have been some, uh, maybe some high school pregnancies that have claimed this to be true, but it's never happened before, and it's never happened again. This does not happen. Right? There's only been one actual virgin birth recorded in history. And it took an act of God. It took a miracle. We all know that the sperm must fertilize an egg. Implantation must take place. And then, if everything goes well and goes correctly, 40 weeks later, there's a baby. Right? The act itself is a miracle. Now, for the only time in history, a girl becomes pregnant without any of that taking place. Mary was a virgin. The thing that has to happen for you or I, no, for some of you to get pregnant, never happened. We sing about it, we read over it, we hear it so much, the Virgin Mary, the Virgin will give birth to a child, etc. And we become deaf to it. It's miraculous. It's a miracle. Do not miss that fact. In fact, not only was that a miracle, but the fact that Jesus was born at all was a miracle. I was reading about that this week. It says that the infant mortality rate in the first century in the Roman Empire was 30%. Nearly a third of babies died in, in labor. 33%, one third. Nearly a third of all babies died before the age of one. Compare that to Canada in 2016, where the, the, the infant mortality rate is less than one-half of a percent, right? Being born was risky business. 
the gospel stories describe Mary's pregnancy and delivery as being more complicated than that. Why? Well, she was young, she was unmarried, she was facing the stress of possible rejection from her family and community. There was a long journey in the final week of her pregnancy by a donkey, right? I can only imagine how this conversation went when Joseph told her of the emperor's decree. Well, honey, you've always said you want to travel. How about the ninth month of your pregnancy? And there's no room at the end. There's only a cold room with a dark barn with animals for delivery room. I've often thought about how difficult that journey was for Mary and Joseph, how harsh and exhausting the labor and delivery would have been, but I don't often think about how dangerous it actually was. This was a dangerous thing. So much could have gone wrong for the mother and for the baby. The probability of death for one or for both was through the roof. Many of the gospel stories talk about Jesus' power, how he walked on water, how he multiplied food, how he controlled the wind and the waves with his voice. And so sometimes we picture Jesus like he's a comic book superhero. All the strength and healing and invincibility, but that picture isn't quite accurate. In most of the gospel stories, Jesus is a very much a man. He got hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired. Jesus, the baby, was susceptible to death. He was very much mortal. He very much had a human body. And when he was a baby, he had a baby's body. Him surviving being born in the first century was a miracle. Let's not miss that fact, right? Number two. The miraculous birth was the plan. Of course it was. Matthew gives us what is going through Joseph's mind. Matthew 1, 19-24. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was righteous, a righteous man, and she, he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement off quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did this. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. Listen, the angel is showing Joseph and us that the prophecy that had been waiting that they had been waiting for in Isaiah seven fourteen is about to come true. It's the plan. It's the plan. And then Luke two eight through twelve. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord 
has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. The angels are showing the shepherds that Micah 5.2 is being fulfilled right before their eyes. That the Messiah, the one that is to come from Bethlehem, is in Bethlehem. The plan is happening right now. Christmas was no coincidence. The manger was no accident. Bethlehem was the desired location. Mary, she was the chosen. Christmas was God's plan from the very beginning of Genesis. Friends, I don't want you to believe anything else. It was a plan from the first couple pages of the Bible. Number three, the miraculous birth was for everyone. Notice what is happening here. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Now we've talked about this before, but the shepherds, the shepherds are the most unlikely people to make a royal announcement to. That, of course, is just God being God, right? That's what he does. I mean, you got a teenage virgin, you got an elderly couple, look at who Jesus, Jesus chooses to be his disciples. That's how God does things. He chooses the most unlikely people. He chooses tax collectors. He chooses fishermen. God is always about the most unlikely people doing the incredible work of advancing his kingdom. That's how God rolls. God chooses someone like me, right? which is exactly what is about to happen here. The shepherds hear the news, and then they go find Jesus. Then, did they just go back to their sheep? Well, yeah, they did. They did. But look what verse 17 says. They went and told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherd spread the news, the good news, the greatest news, that the king was here, that Emmanuel was here, God with us. God used the most unlikely people. Why? Because the news is for everyone. This news is for all. The Emmanuel is here. The news was for the drunks. This news was for the prostitutes. This news was for the rich. This news was for the poor. This news was for the sinners. This news was for the saints. This news was for the slave. This news was for the free. 
This news was for the Jew. This news was for the Gentile. This news was for you. And this news was for me. This news, this amazing birth, was for all of mankind. It was for all of, my, all of, all of, all of time. Lastly, number four, the miraculous birth, it changed everything. Verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Yes, they went back to the sheep, but you can't put champagne back in the bottle. The news was out. The movement, the revolution, the stirring had begun. And the world would never be the same. The miraculous birth of Jesus changed everything. Aslan was on the move. God was at work. He was making all things new. He was going to begin the process of making things right between him and his creation. And all of it started with the birth of a baby boy lying in a manger. A.D. B.C. A.D. is Latin. It does not mean after death. It means Anno Domini, which means what? The year of our Lord. The birth of Jesus changed everything. It was miraculous. Can I tell you one more story? <laughs> I'm going to tell it to you anyways. But, uh, in uh, my life, I've had some miraculous births. Um, December 22nd, my birthday, I was born in South Korea in the 70s, which is, um, South Korea is not like what South Korea looks like today. It was a third world country at that time. And the fact that I, was, I made it, I mean, it wasn't like the statistics I read to you there, but man, it, it wasn't, the mortality rate in South Korea wasn't great. So the fact that my mom had me without any problems is pretty miraculous. Um, when I was 22 years old, I had a stroke, and um, I couldn't talk, and I couldn't use the right side of my body. And you guys have heard that story many times, but I had to learn. I had to re, it was a rebirth there. I had to learn how to walk and write and, and, and talk again. Um, I had a miraculous birth when I became a husband. Um, I had a miraculous birth learning how to be a dad, and I'm, I'm still not a really good dad, but um, I'm, I'm trying every day. Um, most importantly, I had a rebirth in 1990, in, the June, in June of 1990, when I um, was baptized in, at Little Galley. But I had another one the first week of January, um, the first Sunday in January, um, five years ago. And I, I honestly, with Heather and I, I wasn't sure what, 
I wasn't sure what ministry looked like for me because I know I, di- I didn't want to be a youth minister anymore. I'd done it for like 20 years. Um, really, since I'd been a senior in high school, I'd done youth ministry in some sort of fashion or another, and, and uh, I was done doing that. And uh, I didn't know if I wanted to do this preaching thing. And um, so I bounced around, you know, in, in different things and different ministries, and and have, have I got married and 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 did all that stuff and um, health issues, moved us back to New York and all this. And so I, I don't know. It's, I feel like you know what? I'll give this preaching thing a try. And. So I sent out a, I sent out some resumes, but I sent out two resumes, one to a, a church in, in Pennsylvania um, and one to a church in Bowen, Illinois, and both of them got to me, like, right back to me, like, right away. And um, the one in Pennsylvania, my wife was excited about because it was clo- a lot closer to home, to her house, her home, and um that was a that would have been a train wreck of a church. I'm glad we didn't go there. And then the other church um, was here. And um, my wife's like, "We're not moving to Illinois, so I hate that place." And um, it's so hot, and all you can see is corn, and it, it's it's so muggy. And it's like, that's pretty good description of Illinois, and. Like, the only place, like, the government is more corrupt than New York is Illinois. And yeah, I, I, you're not lying. So, um, you, Bowen Christian Church, have given me a miraculous birth. One that has given me the love of preaching one that has given me a love of delivering a sermon each week, developing content into a sermon series, one of calling and pastoring people, counseling and sharing the love of Jesus with others. It's changed everything for me. And I'll never be the same. And my family will never be the same. And despite the fact that we added one. So from the deepest part of my heart, thank you. Thank you from that guy from five years ago that I've lost a few pounds from those pictures, but I've gained many, many, many white hairs Thank you for your love and your support. Thank you for your encouragement. And I hope that in some way you all have been changed by our time here. But if, even if not, know that my time here has changed everything for me. And we love you.
And it is our hope and our prayer that Jesus has been honored and glorified through our ministry here. And that somehow we have helped make him famous in Bowen. changes everything. He changes everything. God, thank you for that. Thank you for changing everything. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for these people. Thank you for what they've done for our family. And Father, I pray for great things for Bowen Christian Church in the future. May they be filled, filled up with the love of Jesus. And may they seek to make you famous and to honor you with all that they do. And may they be a church that truly tries to help seek and save the lost to know that you change everything. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. If you have a decision to make for Jesus this morning, I got some time. We got nothing but empty walls to look at in the house. So let's, uh, let's dunk you. If you have a decision to make, come on down while the praise band sings.
you for being here with us today. Um, there, obviously, we have a sweet hour of praise tonight and a reception for us. Um, is there anything else we need to announce, or is there anything we need to pray about today? Yeah. Elders and deacons, right after church today, please. You need me to be there, Steve? Do you need me there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anybody else? All right. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these people. Father, we all know it's not about us. It's all about you. So, Father, as we leave this place, may we... Just with everything we have, just try to thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you've given us. Father, may we be on mission for you. That's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Have a great week.